Welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. Are you ready? Welcome to episode 78. I'm first going to start by saying if you hear my voice crack or it sounds weird, it is still because I am having some residual cold issues. So I don't know if you remember in the last episode, I was complaining about my throat hurting. I still have a cough from the cold I've had for the past two weeks. So I'm very sorry for my raspy voice. Also, during playback on this episode, I realized it's kind of grainy and I can't quite figure out how to fix that. So hopefully by the next episode, that sound will get better. Um, I don't know what happened. I have the same settings as last time, so I am very sorry for that. But we're going to still dive into this podcast episode and just roll with it. Here we go. We're going to discuss Burrow's Tail today, which is a really, really fun plant. I've actually grown it from leaves, like propagation itself. And for succulents, I've always had a little bit of a harder time with that just because I've never wanted to give them enough care. I've never had enough light. I've never had, I honestly, the patience for it, I guess. Or I've never really loved succulents as much as I have other foliage houseplants. So I just haven't put effort into it. But I tried this one and it was essentially pretty easily easy, but I have never taken care of a full grown one yet. So I'm nurturing this one I have right now to a full-grown plant, but it does have multiple stems to it right now, and it's doing really good. I have it under grow, grow, grow light, sorry, right now, so it's doing fantastic. So this plant, the burrow's tail, it's a succulent. It has a very distinctive structure to it, hence the name burrow's tail. It's because it has these kind of jelly bean-like leaves that are a little bit, I guess, more pointy. Um, basically just in rows down a stem, like drooping and hanging down on a stem. And if you look up a donkey's tail, which I did, but if you type in donkey's tail, this plant is the first thing comes up. You just have to type in donkey. You'll actually get the animal. (laughs) Um, when you type in donkey online and you look for its tail, it actually, it looks very similar. Most of the time, the tail just looks like one kind of like column of hair. And that's honestly what the stem of the burrow's tail the plant looks like. So commonly called burrow's tail, as I've said in the name of the podcast, but it's also commonly called donkey's tail, horse tail, and lamb's tail. So they're just like listing all the farm animals off, apparently. So the botanical name for this is Sedum morganianum, I believe. Um, And there aren't a ton of varieties out there that I could find. The Really the only distinctive one that I could find was one called burrito. And there's like a little bit of a backstory behind that just because I've gotten conflicting information on it, but it all of them basically say it exists. So what I find to be reliable sources like books and university websites, their horticulture department and stuff like that have said that Basically, burrito is a variety, but they're unsure if it's a cultivar hybrid or even a different species of the plant or not. It's like uncertain, but it's a thing. The burrito burrow's tail is just a smaller variety of the burrow's tail, and it has more of a rounded leaf to it. It doesn't get as long as like the normal original burrow's tail. So that was really the only variety call out that I could find. I think there are actually a lot of other sedum or succulent varieties that look very similar to the burrow's tail that aren't burrow's tail. And when it grows up, gets older, they do have distinctive looking differences. But when they're young, there are when they're young, like when they're babies, um, like just when they're, I guess, young, not as old, they look similar to some other succulents out there. So that can be confusing. But to me, it has a very distinctive look to it. 
and there's not a ton out there that looks like it. Anyways, point being, the burrito variety, which we don't even know if it's a variety, is out there, but it it's a smaller growing variety, essentially. Some of the websites that I don't find as reliable, but I'm still looking at all websites to see what everyone's saying, and I double check with the books and the University of Websites, claimed that the burrito variety is technically the burrow's tail, while the original burrow's tail is technically donkey's tail, which I only, I found that on like one or two websites, but they weren't like university websites and it was not called out in the book at all. Um, in the book that I had that had it and called out the burrito and the burrow's tail just said that they were the same plant essentially, but burrito was like a variety of it essentially exactly the same just smaller and that was i'm sorry practical cactus and succulents was that book so this plant has greenish blue draping stems to it really almost like a thicker longer strand strand and the leaves kind of form rows of leaves down the stem the most common thing you'll hear, and in the Instagram Q&A it is confirmed, is that these leaves are very delicate and they will fall off very easily. So when handling this plant, you just have to be really careful because the leaves will fall off. Now, the leaves easily form new plants. You could stick them on the top of the soil line and they'll probably form new stems over time. Um, but if you don't want a really leggy stem with a bunch of leaves gone now, you just got to be careful with it. So let's dive right into the sun requirements. Since this is a succulent, giving them the most amount of light possible is kind of preferred. Granted, there are situations where if you're giving them way too much sun, like direct sunlight, you know, like, I don't know. If, you're, if you live in California and this plant is planted in a garden that has direct sunlight all day, more than likely you're going to see this plant tinting more of a yellow or like an off color it's kind of like sunburn now in your home in a south window that is not going to happen so giving this plant direct sunlight in your home is perfect through a window and stuff it's never going to be the same as direct sunlight as outdoors so in a south window this is perfect i've also had this under a direct grow light that stays on for however long i turn it on really so like at least usually 12 to 14 hours I have the grow light on and it's been under that since it's been born from its little tiny leaves and it's doing great so that's getting almost basically direct sunlight to the point where it's burned some of my other foliage plants that I've needed to move them so if you just have like bright indirect light like you're just off of a south window or in a west window even that's good too. If you are putting it in any less light, it's just not going to be favorable for the plant. So if you wanted to put it in medium light, more than likely you're going to see slower growth and you're going to see growth that is probably a little bit more leggy, not as thick as you would in a bright indirect or direct sunlight. By leggy, I mean you're going to have more stem visible in between the leaves essentially. If you need more help understanding your lighting situation or what I mean by direct, bright, indirect, medium lighting, I do have a podcast and a blog out there that's just understanding light. I have it tagged in the blog. I also have a grow light blog and podcast um, that essentially just explains the grow lights and gives you a bunch of examples of ones that you could purchase yourself if you needed them. Um, so that's also tagged just in case you need it. 
But let's move on to water and fertilizer requirements along with propagation. For water requirements, I think it's pretty pretty simple, actually. It's more simple than some of your other houseplants you have. I, they basically just need low moisture. So giving them too much moisture could potentially give them root rot. So it's a succulent. So it doesn't need a ton of water. Usually succulents will let you know when they are in need of water. You're going to see the leaves kind of wrinkle a little bit. That gives you kind of a hint that they do need to be watered and they need a little bit of more moisture. I have essentially had the same problem with string of pearls. For string of pearls, they tend to get not very round. They get a little bit more flat, and that's how you know they're not getting enough moisture. The burrow's tail leaves will just kind of wrinkle a little bit, um, and that's how you, you know you need more. But honestly, it's better to underwater these than overwater these. So if you're starting to see the signs of underwatering, that's okay. At least you kind of know the timeline and the limit of how long it's been in between watering, and you can adjust by like a day or two before to kind of counteract that next time. If for some reason you really have don't have a good understanding of like, geez, I don't even know if I should be watering this every two weeks, every month. Like it really depends on your soil, your container, your lighting, your home, your environment. So everyone's I think is different. And if you're struggling with that, a moisture meter reader can be really helpful just to get a grip of how long in between watering needs to happen. I also want to note, usually in winter, your plant is not using as much energy, therefore it does not need to be watered as much. And it's usually not, depending on where you live, it's not as warm in this, the winter as it is the summertime. So it's also not heating up the soil and drying out your plant faster either. So in the winter, more than likely, you're going to be watering even less as well. The other key component to watering is humidity, but not for this plant. Since it's a succulent, it does not need humidity at all to survive. It can survive completely in your home environment, whatever you have. I have not provided any humidity for this plant whatsoever. The closest thing I did is I misted the top of the soil line when I was propagating. That's completely different than giving the plant humidity. So you you don't need to provide anything extra for this plant whatsoever. So good news there. That makes it pretty low maintenance. Okay, we're moving on to fertilizer. This one I think is pretty simple. I still actually use the Fox Farms Grow Big liquid fertilizer on it, the same thing I use for everything. I've started fertilizing already because I was starting to see some increased, more frequent growth coming on my plants probably about a month ago. So usually I say end of February I'm fertilizing. I probably actually started the beginning of February this year. And I'll essentially do that through October, maybe, maybe beginning of October, depending when I see growth slowing down. Um, but essentially the same thing for this as well. And I use about half, three-fourths of the recommended, just because I'd rather under than over fertilize, just to be safe. So the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual does list some fertilizing instructions for the burrow tail. It says, from spring to late summer, feed monthly with an all-purpose balanced Houseplant food in fall and winter do not feed. So essentially, I think this is the same sentiment as a lot of houseplant instructions. Most, I should say. String of hearts, for some reason, is another one where it says it benefits from fertilizing in the winter. Anyways, 
they're not growing as much in fall and winter. So it's really not necessary. I do fertilize, but I just fertilize like once in the winter. So between October and then I guess February again, I'll fertilize once in December and that's it. So that's what their instructions are. Granted, do I think their instructions are all profound? No, I honestly think it really depends on the fertilizer you choose. If it's a monthly fertilizer, then you'll be fertilizing monthly. If it's a fertilizer, like a liquid fertilizer that is not as long lasting and it instructs you to use it every week or every two weeks, then that's what you'll be doing. So, but it's up to your discretion. If you're one of those people that's like, ah, fertilizing, whatever, then don't. You don't have to. Your plant will still grow. So it still grows in nature fine without touching it, you know? So up to you. But that's my input on fertilizing. But we're going to move on to propagation next because this one is the one I'm actually proud of. (laughs) So propagation is actually pretty easy. And I was actually surprised how easy it was. As I said earlier in the podcast, you basically pull off the individual leaves and you can grow brand new plants with that. And I say pull off, but more than likely you're going to bump into this plant and the leaves are just going to drop. When I was taking photos of the, the tiny burrow's tail that I have, a couple of these dropped off of it and it's not even completely hanging over the pot yet. It's still kind of sticking up right because <laughs> it's still so new and young. But I put them on the top of my soil line. So I decided to just plant up a small four inch pot with soil. And all I did is I put the leaves on top of that soil line and I kept the soil and the top of the soil line moist for the leaves to start forming roots. I put it under as much light as I could get, which was my plant shelf that my husband built me that has panel grow lights under the shelf. So it has a lot of pretty close direct sunlight and it just started forming the root system and then the actual plant. And then it started forming the actual stems pretty quickly. I would say maybe within a year, I think about a year ago. I started planting them and it is where it is right now, which you'll see in the blog post and probably in the actual posts on social media, but it's essentially creating stems now, um, which is awesome. So granted, I probably could have sped it up if I would have fertilized a little bit sooner because I I avoided fertilizing for a bit just because I was more cautious about it. And I probably could have increased the moisture more. I basically watered it about the same amount I would water my trailing philodendron. So like right now I'm watering them about every week, week and a half. So I probably could have watered it or at least paid attention to it or misted the top of the soil line more often. And it would have helped speed up the process more. But even with the amount of work that I did, which was not a ton, I was still able to get a brand new plant just out of the leaves. So I would use a well-draining soil. You don't need to use anything, you know, crazy. A well-draining soil and just a little pot or whatever you want to put them on. I don't think it's necessary that you increase humidity a ton for these. I think it will help keep the moisture in. But since it's a succulent, it doesn't need humidity to thrive at all. So I don't think that's necessary. I left it in open air, no increased humidity except the misting on the top of the soil line, which really didn't increase the overall humidity. But I think the sunlight, the light itself with the increased watering is essential for getting those leaves started. And that's how you propagate. More than likely, you're just going to bump into it. You're going to take those leaves and put them on the soil and bam, eventually it will be a new plant. 
All right, we're going to move on to other facts and we're going to move on to the Q&A because we got a lot of questions for Q&A. Okay, for the other facts, this belongs to the Crassulaceae family, I believe. Native mostly the parts of Mexico, but I did find a couple sources said parts of South America. Specifically called that Honduras, but most just said Mexico. So we're going to just stick with that. Um, the length of the stems for these really depends on the environment they're in. I had conflicting lengths for sure, but I saw basically between one to four feet long. The burrito variety is going to stay shorter, but overall, these can get longer than four feet. But what I've seen is not really any longer than four feet in person. Online, I've seen the pictures of them with a lot longer stems, but it kind of depends on the environment you're giving them in a greenhouse versus in nature and a plant shop, that kind of thing. The burrow's tail can flower. Usually it's a pinkish reddish flower and it's kind of clustered at the base of each of the stems. Also depends on the right conditions for your home. It's not going to bloom as easy as some other house plants. So if you have the, the really it's the heat and the, the sunlight and the moisture needed, then you're probably going to see a bloom, but I wouldn't bank on it. That's not the reason you should be getting this plant at all. Another little fun fact is that the burrow's tail was given the Royal Horticultural Society Award of Garden Merit in 1993, the year before I was born. Um, and then I just wanted to provide this one other thing because I saw it commonly on multiple websites. And for some reason in my mind, I don't doubt this for a second. And I've watched my plant just in case for this reason. But a common pest for burrow's tail is mealybugs. And if you've experienced mealybugs, you know they are a little bit of a hassle to try to get rid of. I was going to swear there, but, you know, this I'm apparently I'm not supposed to swear on this podcast by my own ruling. <laughs> um, but they're hard to get rid of. And if you don't catch it early enough, it's a real pain to get rid of. So keep an eye on your plant especially as it matures and if it's around other plants too. So just keep an eye on it. I do have a podcast episode and blog called Pests in Plants that really gives you kind of the, the lowdown on how to treat it and to prevent it in general pests, but it calls it out mealybugs too. So just as a heads up, keep an eye on your plant. Look in the nooks and crannies. Obviously be careful with the leaves, but just like check over your plant just in case. And the other positive thing about this plant is it is non-toxic to your pets. So if you want more information on that, episode 31 is about pets and plants. And there is a blog post calling out plants that are safe and that aren't. So let's jump over to the Instagram Q&A because there was a lot of great questions and I want to get to them. So as a reminder, I do put a question box out there for the upcoming podcast episode. I definitely post it the day the podcast episode comes out, essentially to tell you like, hey, this is the next episode. What questions you got for me? Go. But throughout the weeks leading up to me recording, I do throw this question box out there. If you know what the next episode is and you have a question about it, feel free to just message me your question. I screenshot all of them and I answer them. So far, I've been able to answer every single one in every episode. I haven't gotten overwhelmed by them whatsoever. So that means you need to be asking more questions. So um, we have essentially four questions, but two were kind of one. So we're going to start with the first one. was how to keep them from getting leggy. So this is probably because leaves are dropping off. 
and it could be a lack of light. So I would say those are the two things. If you're if you're not providing direct sunlight yet and you're providing like bright indirect light, increase the light more. Try to get it into direct sunlight and see if that helps. If for some reason your leaves are dropping off constantly, that means they're being moved too much or touched too much. Just try not to move your plant or touch your plant. Keep it in one spot and let it just live. If you're touching it because you're watering it or something like that, I don't see why that's necessary. You should be able to just water from the top and not have to touch the leaves or the stems. If you're bottom watering, I can see maybe you're moving the stems to get to the saucer or whatever you're watering for the bottom. Or if you like to pick up the plant and move it and put it underneath the sink, I, I get that. I don't think it's necessary. I think if you're trying to rinse off the plant and prevent any bugs, that makes sense. But I would minimize that. Don't do that as much, maybe. I'm going off of complete, like, I don't know the story. So I would say minimal movement or none if you can prevent it. And then watering from the top should be fine for the plant. It shouldn't be causing too many problems for it, at least in my experience. So that would be preventing it from getting leggy. I think this sunlight is also key in that too. So if any leaves do drop off of it from moving it, you could probably just leave them at the top of your soil line and watch them propagate again. So there you go. You can also, if it's really bothering you, cut the stems down and kind of let it regrow also. And I know some people are just like so against cutting and I am the person's like, oh my God, my plant's getting long. I should cut it. That's how I am. So if I had that situation, I probably would have cut the plant back and I would have just used those leaves to propagate more because that's also what I do. But you don't have to do that. But that'd be another option. Okay. The next question is, do they need humidity and can they thrive in normal household humidity? No, they do not need humidity which is a wonderful thing about this plant. Since it's a succulent, they can usually survive in those dry, arid environments, and they don't really need anything special to survive whatsoever. Household humidity, totally cool. All right, best medium for propagating. So I only use just a well-draining soil. So I have a fox farm soil. You do not need to buy fox farm soil whatsoever. I've always been biased to it because I trust the brand. It's not a cheap brand. I don't think you need it. I also like it because it doesn't come with fertilizer in it. And a lot of soils out there like Black and Gold and miracle Grow, have fertilizer already in them. So I would say well-draining soil and then make it more well-draining. So add a perlite or something like that to it just so it is well-draining. A lot of plants, when you're trying to initially propagate them, need like a higher moisture level and it is true but I think problem with succulents is root rot is a common problem with succulents just because they hold their own moisture they don't need the soil to do it for them so still having a well-draining soil but watering more frequently is the best way to go so I just use a fox farm soil and I mix perlite in with it I probably mix I'm trying to think of the proportions I probably mix like one part soil now, let's see. I do one part perlite, six parts soil. So it's not like a one in one mix. It's just extra perlite because there is perlite already in the soil that I'm using. 
So, long story short, <laughs> it should just be a well-draining soil. And I know that's very vague. And if you're really worried about it and you're like, well, I want to make sure I'm getting the right soil. Like, what does well-draining mean? Pick up a cactus and succulent soil from any hardware store. And that is a soil that is for sure a well-draining soil that you could use to propagate and even plant this plant up when it is established. Here we go. Okay. The last question, which is kind of two questions in one, but the question box didn't allow for this long of a question, so she asked two, is how to keep from bumping it and knocking all the leaves off. LOL, but seriously, best soil, light requirements. I love these, but I've killed two. For bumping into it and knocking off the leaves, that's a movement thing. Keep it out of arm swinging length when you're in your space. So, and I know that makes it a little bit more difficult, potentially. But if you have a shelf where you're hanging it from a ceiling or something, that could really benefit from you not touching it. And don't move it. Once you have a spot for it, don't move it. Or just keep it to a minimum. Plants in general do not like to be moved around every five seconds. Once they're in an environment, they're loving it or they're hating it, then move it. But if they're loving where they're at, a lot of plants are like, okay, you move me again. Now I have to get used to this again. At least that's a conversation I feel like they have with themselves about us, you know? So I would keep the movement to a minimum and I would keep it out of arm swinging length or kids touching it or pets running into it that kind of stuff. Just make sure it's out of the way so there isn't a chance of bumping into it. The other thing that was asked was the best soil and light requirements. So soil, as I said, well-draining soil, I, they're not like an epiphyte where they need something to attach to and they need like super chunky soil. And I, I mean, I, as you know, listening to me, I am not a fan of mixing a crap ton of things to get the perfect soil for your plant. I think it can be done very minimally and they'll be fine. They've dealt with worse in nature. We'll put it that way or not not as much. So, well draining. If you don't know what that means, I would say like a regular potting mix, but you need to add something to it. So, if you wanted to add a bark to it, sure. If you want I would prefer something more like a perlite added to it or something like that just to get more airflow through it. That would be a good thing to do for this plant. I don't know if bark would be right. I'm going to scratch that. I'm going to say more of a per a smaller thing for the roots attached to more than bark. I'm not. I'm, yeah. Forget the bark. Okay. Well, draining soil. If you don't have extra perlite or like potting mix that you trust, buy a cactus and succulent potting mix. It's going to have the essential things in there it already needs. Some people also mix sand in their soil, which is 100% okay because sand also helps with drainage along with perlite. I just like perlite better. Um, so sand is also something you can mix into your well-draining soil or your potting mix you already have to create a well-draining soil. So I know it's vague. I'm not going to get into it, but there are there are brands of cactus and succulent mix out there already that you can buy already done for you if you're worried about it or if you're worried about getting it right. I'll put it that way. I don't think you should be. I should point that out. I think no matter what you do, you'll probably be okay as long as you're not using like the moisture control, miracle Grow soil. As long as you're not doing that and you're like reading the front of the package, you're good in my opinion. There's not a lot. There's not like a 
there's not like a huge way you could mess the soil up is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> okay. And then the light requirements. Sorry, it's just a rant today. Okay. This, the light requirements, I would say just as much light as you could possibly give them. Direct sunlight is going to be the pristine, thriving burrow's tail. But if you have a bright indirect window or under a grow light, which can also could provide direct sunlight or the bright indirect light, that's cool too. Mine's under a grow light. It's probably getting direct sunlight because of that light. But a south or a west window would be good too if you wanted to essentially go that route. But to recap this whole section, bumping and knocking into leaves is a problem. Well, then don't move it and make sure it's out of reach of anyone. For best soil, well draining. My rant is over. I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> and then for light requirements, the most sunlight you can possibly give it, direct sunlight, southwest window, or grow light. And that is good. I hope you enjoyed this 78th episode of Burrow's Tale. Sorry, my voice is so raspy and weird still. Hopefully by the next episode, it'll be a heck of a lot better. Um, I was literally about to say the next line. I just started coughing. Sorry. Obviously, I edited that out. But anyways, if you don't follow me on social media, you can find me at Houseplant Homebody LLC. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and on Pinterest there. And I do have a newsletter that comes out every other month or so. So the next one will be coming out at the beginning of April. So if you want to sign up for that, I usually give you the lowdown on the next two months of podcasts that are coming out along with recaps on everything that did come out the past two months. And then I do some tips and some tricks and stuff like that that I typically don't post on social media. Just a little bit of extra house by homebody for you there. And then if you would like to contribute monetarily to Houseplant Homebody, you're essentially just helping the business survive, getting the website paid for, all that good stuff. You can become a supporter online. I have a lot of different levels. I also have a one-time level if you just want to donate 20 bucks to me. Um, you could do that too. So it really just helps keep the business going, pays for the website, pays for all the essential things basically, and then helps improving for down the road when I want to do merch and stuff like that too. It gives me the capital to do so. But I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope I encouraged you to buy a Burroughs Tale. I guess the thing I'm going to leave you with on Burroughs Tale is don't move it because the leaves falling off is essentially the most common thing I heard about this plant. So hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you on social media and talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Hello. Obviously, I'm here at the end of the podcast, per usual, just to check in and say hello. Um, this one was a fun one to do because I hadn't owned a mature burrow's tail before, but I did grow one, which was crazy, as I said. Um, and then I did have a picture on um, social media and the blog post of a mature burrow's tail, just so you could see it. And that was from Kellner's Greenhouse. Um, and I actually think I had it on the last podcast episode, The Ways to Hang Houseplants as well. Um, but I did have that picture as well. So anyways, this podcast episode was fun. The next one is going to be Staghorn Fern. Yeah, that's right. This has been an episode that has been very frequently asked for from the beginning of time. Well, the beginning of Houseplant Homebody, I should say. I didn't want to do the episode until I experienced a, stag a staghorn fern myself. So I've had one essentially for eight months, almost a year now. I'd have to think back, but it's doing good. I don't really have it planted in anything special right now. 
eventually I would like to get it more in a hanging situation, but it's doing good. So I'm excited to do more research on it and see the ins and outs of the plant and just different ways to display the plant because I do know it's just like there's so many different ways out there. Also, when we were on our honeymoon in Hawaii, there were a ton of staghorn ferns growing on the trees there, which was also cool to see. So I'm excited to include those pictures. Um, or at my bachelorette party, we went to um, a conservatory in Minnesota and they also had a really cool fern greenhouse room that had staghorn ferns just growing on the walls. So I'm excited to share all those pictures with you. But staghorn fern is next. Beyond that, you'll see me popping up on social media. My birthday was just, well, I'm recording this on Sunday the 5th. So my birthday was yesterday the 4th. I turned 29, if you're wondering, because I am always curious when people talk about their birthday, how old they are. So I'm just going to tell you I'm 29, y'all. Um, and I'm sure you knew this, too, but I do have a twin sister, Lindsay, who is my best friend. Um, she obviously also turned 29. So we celebrated from a distance. I'll probably see her in the beginning of April. Um, we'll celebrate then. Um, but it was fun. I love feeling older. I know that's a weird thing for people and some people don't. But I love getting older and the older I get, the happier I am. So feel, being 29 is great. One year to 30. Let's go. So anyways, hope you guys have a wonderful week. I'll see you on social media. If you have questions about this acorn fern, please put them in your question box on social media so I can answer them. Otherwise, hope you guys have a wonderful week and I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.